we're going to look actually now about tips of tips for success. So just practical things that we found um, with our patients that have helped. So this this section is actually entitled Tips for Success. Um, why don't we go ahead and start with a word of prayer? Father in heaven, um, we just want to thank you again so much for the privilege of being able to come together, to draw together, to learn from each other. Um, thank you for giving us the victory and thank you so much that we go through this journey in life not alone but with each other and that we can learn from each other's mistakes and also from each other's victories and so as they share some of the testimonies of our guests and our patients and how they found victory and things that will help us succeed i pray that we can even draw from each other's experience different things that will help us succeed and um, we thank you again for this and look forward lord not just to what we are going to learn but um, the application of this and the transformation of our life, not just for here, but for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, as you guys remember, the reason that we began this, um, this lecture, this portion, this part, the reason that um, I had a burden for personal um, health was the fact that I, I saw people in ministry burned out and just were done, and they were not able to sustain ministry. They had a desire to, but they just felt like they couldn't function long-term anymore. And, I, and it made me sad as I thought to myself, these are people who are very successful. They have the desire to, but they've just been burned out in ministry. And oftentimes, it's because they've neglected the things of health um, instead of... Um, in, did, you have it? You got it? <laughs> okay. The, um, they have neglected their, their own health at the expense of helping others. Okay? And one of the challenges is this. Um, it is good to help others, very, very good to help others. In fact, remember that the theme of this cons um, conference is saved to serve. Right? That's our purpose and our desire. But remember that we have multiple obligations, multiple things that Christ asks of us. That includes taking care of the temple. And he, you know, we knew that the body was physically going to waste away eventually. If we didn't, um, if we did not... Um, die or if we lived long enough, our body was going to deteriorate, right? Because of sin and the effects of sin. And so he asked us, you know, he could have just said, look, the body's going to deteriorate. You guys don't really have to take care of your body anymore. It doesn't matter. Just do what you can do. Live for the moment, live for the pleasure, and, and you can move on. You'll be fine. No big deal. No problem, right? But he, he didn't. He asked us to take care of our body, which was purchased um, at a price because of his great love for us, that even though this physical body would, um, once it goes to the grave, would be gone, or once he comes, would be exchanged for, for his body, um, the, that he would, that the body that he would give us, um, he knew that we needed we needed to take care of it now, otherwise we would not be effective in ministry long-term. We would not be able to help others as effectively as we would like to. We've talked about the testimony of James White and what happened. I and mean, this was very early in their ministry, maybe 10, 15 years into their ministry. And, um, and he was, had a complete nervous breakdown, done, completed, couldn't move on. I mean, he was young, very young at the time but needed to go back to taking care of himself. And, you know, the, um, if you ever get a chance, if you're looking for, we were talking about testimonies and reading through testimonies of people that have 
overcome. Um, I believe it was Joseph Bates who was actually one of the first um, to actually in the church before the health messages were even given to actually make good decisions concerning his life. And he was one of the few that did not actually suffer a lot of the health consequences that many of our early pioneers had. And in fact, they thought he was crazy for giving up and changing his lifestyle when he, when he had done this, but he recognized and was effective in ministry for a very long time. So what are those things um, that we can do? One of the things that I would encourage you to do is please remember this, just as important as the ministry that God has given to you is a taking care of your body. If God asks us to do something, he has given us 24 hours in the day. And within that 24 hours, he will enable us to accomplish those things that he has asked us to do. That includes the taking care of our body. Now, it will look different in different places at different times of our life. If we seek him and ask him for the wisdom of how to do this and to still be effective in ministry, our priorities have to come from him. And the very first step I would encourage you to do is maybe sometime this weekend, if you are struggling with taking care of your personal health, is to take some time this weekend to say, take that and place that before God and to ask him, look, this is what you're asking me to do. This is the reality of the, the situation of my life right now. Help me understand what I can do to be able to follow, give me the power and the strength to make the choices to be able to follow what you're asking me to do. You have to start there. Because all of the different planning and everything that we do is not going to be successful if we don't start by seeking the kingdom of God first. Asking him what those priorities are so that we can be renewed in our mind. Okay, Start there first or you will tend to fall back in. Um, Dr. Hess had actually mentioned when he counsels patients concerning addictions, um, he looks at um, Romans uh, chapter 7 and 8, the conflict that Paul has in Romans 7 back and forth about doing things that he doesn't want to do and not doing things that he wants to do. It's a wonderful thing if you ever get into, into ministry helping people with struggling with addictions, even as he mentioned, those that don't have a spiritual background, when they hear and they see what Paul is going through, they can identify with being able to be or having that struggle and then Paul concludes I guess really begins by saying that the only way that he can have deliverance is by Christ he recognized that himself and as we lead other people to Christ as we are on our own experience that in our lives we're able to testify of the power of what God is able to do um, let's look at some practical um, tips for ourselves um, Practical tip number one, okay? Take care of yourself so well when you have control of the circumstances and situations so that when you do not have control of the circumstances and the situations, you have more reserve. What does that mean? Give me the practical application of that. Take care of yourself so well when you can, when you have control of the circumstance and situation so that when you, when you're faced with situations and circumstances that you cannot control, that you can, you have some reserve. Any thoughts? 
get healthier. So in, in what way? Make it practical, though. So, so here's the thing. May, we have may, may have made health choices for ourselves, right? But then, you know, unless we drag the entire kitchen with us when we travel to visit family or friends or whatever, we may not always be able to have those same choices available to us when we go to visit family or friends, okay? Or we're going to a conference or a mission trip somewhere overseas, and someone else is responsible for making the food for us, and maybe they're able to keep it vegetarian, but it may not always be the healthiest thing, or they don't have a wide variety of fruits and vegetables and other things there. But if we have not been taking care of ourselves at home, and our health is already depleted, it makes it more difficult when we're in situations where we're trying to make good choices and we don't have the options available. Okay? We're more likely to succumb to illness or sickness or whatnot there. So what does this mean? When you are at home and you can make choices of your health, only put good choices available to yourself at home. Okay? Only allow there to be. Eat so well when you are at home and when you can control the situation so that when you go out to eat, you're out with friends or whatever, you can make the best possible choice you have within the circumstance or situation that you're in, but that you are, you are not so plagued um, or not so affected, I guess, health-wise, if you have to make a less than ideal choice, okay? Um, the, um, let me give you another example of that. Exercise, okay? How many of you have ever taken um, a trip that has taken, like a plane trip or some kind of train trip or something that has taken all day where you have to be sitting for a long period of time? Yeah, <laughs> that's right, right? Um, how much exercise do you remember getting that day? Zero to, yeah, usually little to none, okay? On the other hand, um, what about the times when you're sitting in the plane, you really can't, there are some things that you can do. So when you can control the circumstance situation, when you're in the airport, we ha I have um, friends who will pack in such a way that they can keep it very light, either with a roller case or whatever it was. While they're in the airport waiting, they don't sit and they're not on the computer and they're not Facebooking and texting and doing this and that and whatever else. They walk. During the time when they're doing a long overseas travel, they walk while they're in the airport as much as they can up and down the terminal area so that they can get their walk and their exercise in during the day so that when they have to sit on the plane for another 12, 13 hours when they're going overseas, that they are not so fatigued and, and their, um, their muscles and their sciatica and other things are not, um, are not so fatigued. I have another friend. Um, who will, uh, who has mentioned, she said, she uses the phrase, um, sleep before the crisis, so that when the crisis comes and you don't have another opportunity to sleep as well, you have some reserve, okay? That means for a person like me who is used to studying until midnight and then I would go running at one o'clock in the morning and then I would come back and fall asleep around two or 2.30 after I showered, um, I, you know, if I got into a crisis situation and circumstance and I had to be up because a family member had passed away or because um, there was an emergency that was in the hospital or whatnot, if, I, if on my weekends I stayed up late at night and then um, ended up going to have to work back to the hospital and needed to stay later, I did not have the reserve that I needed. This is a very challenging thing to do because what do we typically do? We work hard all week and then what do we do on the weekend? We stay up a little bit later, we, we um, 
don't, um, we end up, you know, sleeping in, we don't really take care of ourselves as well. You know, those that are the most disciplined will keep a strict schedule even on the weekends as much as is possible. Or if they want to plan for a time when they do have a little bit later, they make sure that beforehand they've stored up as much sleep and rest as they can get ahead of time. Um, even simple things like carrying water bottles with us. That's preparing ahead of time when you can control the situation. You know, you can't always, uh, water bottles are expensive in an airport, okay? Really, really expensive in an airport. On the other hand, you can take an empty water bottle to the airport with you, fill it up when you get there before you get on the plane so that you are, you are set to go with water um, ahead of time. The other thing is that if you're dehydrated beforehand, you are less, you are more likely to give in to feelings of hunger. This is another thing of planning ahead of time, drinking and staying well hydrated. You are less likely to actually um, engage then in with, with um, uh, feeding, especially comfort type foods. We found this partly because you're, when your moods, remember we talked about one to two percent dehydration causing frustration and feelings of anxiousness and confusion and whatnot. And when those things happen and people tend to eat when those kinds of feelings occur, um, if you can curb that ahead of time and make provision for it ahead of time, you're less likely to fall into that circumstance and situation. Any other thoughts as to ways that we can store up ahead of time so that we, um, that we, can, that we can plan ahead of time so that we can have reserve when we need to? Any thoughts? All right, always have a quick backup is the, is the second principle, okay? What do you mean by having quick backups? Let's, let's use an easy one, food. What are quick backups for food? What, have, has anybody ever gone through a day where um, they did not end up having much, um, they did not end up having much to eat at work, they, they weren't able to eat? at all because things just, I mean, things were just flooding in over and over again. You know, just when you thought you were finally gonna sit down and eat, an emergency came through. You know, with, you know the other day, I, I, I thought that I would finally get just one little moment to stop and to take a break to eat, and, um, and one of the students um, sliced their finger with a serrated knife and had shards of metal that were in there, and I'm thinking, really? <laughs> right now, I was like, Lord, couldn't we have waited until after lunch to do this? But, um, but, but there are times when we, when we have those situations and we don't have time, we come home, and we don't have time to prepare an elaborate meal. What usually happens when you then have to sit and prepare dinner? What do you do before dinner, before the dinner is actually prepared? Snack, right? So we do have quick provisions, but the quick provisions we usually have are not healthy provisions. Does that make sense? So we have chips, candy, cookies, whatever else it may be, right? So making backups when you can. For example, always have all the ingredients for haystacks available anytime. That is a quick and easy thing to do. That's one of those things when, when visitors come in on the, on the weekend unexpectedly, you can put out, you know? And no matter what allergy they have, they can put it to the food together themselves and you don't have to worry about it, right? But in the same way for yourself, always put together things. Simple things that we found that patients find that they are able to do. Um, 
some of them will um, will know that when they're looking at their week ahead of time, they're like, you know, Wednesday is going to be a really bad and really busy day. And so on Sunday, they don't, have, you know, they still got other things to do. They'll actually bake a whole bunch of potatoes um, ahead of time, and they would wrap them up, put them in the freezer or in the in the refrigerator. They actually will last for um, for at least a good week without any problem. And then they just have to heat them up really quickly and then do the same thing, same kinds of things. Any kind of what you call bar type foods, meaning potato bar, salad bar, burrito bar, um, uh, pasta bar. Um, you can take pasta, cook it ahead of time, put it in the, in the refrigerator or the freezer in a Ziploc bag. And all you have to do is add some warm water to run it under the tap and it will come back to life again. Okay. And you can do the same thing, freezing, um, freezing to, um, pasta sauce or something so that you, you can again just quickly eat it when you need to. It's okay to have, yes, in the ideal world we would eat fresh things all the time. It's okay to have frozen vegetables sitting in the refrigerator or freezer to, to go to when you need to quickly go to it. Okay, Having those things available ahead of time to store up is good. Have one day a week that you plan to make some things in bulk. And you can even do this once a month, okay? What this means is choose one, maybe Sunday afternoon or evening or one Monday or Wednesday a month where that day, no matter what, even if the President of the United States called you and said he wanted you to come and he was going to give you a million dollars, you would not give in because no, you know, President Obama, I'm so sorry, I don't need the million dollars. This is my preparation day for my food, right? This is what, um, what you're going to do is, is to stick to that plan and use that day to make foods in bulk. Okay, this is when you make 500 oat burgers or you make, um, you know, you know, 100 we, um, walnut meatballs. You know, I mean, not, not 500, you're going to say, you make 20 of them or you make pancakes, right? You make you make the pancakes ahead of time and you have them ready to go so that you don't have to do anything. You put them in the freezer and they're ready to go so that if you get caught into a circumstance and situation and you've got to quickly eat something on go, you have them ready. Okay? So again, use a day, at least one day a week that you are, you are um, where you've made some foods in bulk that you are ready to use when you need them. Um, uh, another example of having quick backups, having um, investing in an extra pair of tennis shoes that you keep either in the car or at work. One of the things you know I, I find, especially for myself or people who work in office or have meetings, um, the interesting thing is that the, you, people may call a meeting late in the day. You're planning on going home, you're going to go work out. And they're going to call a meeting and say, say you, were, you finish work at 6 o'clock, you're going to head home, go work out at the, at the gym, but somebody decides they're going to call a meeting at 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock. Now you're stuck. You don't have time to go back home to get clothes or anything to change into to walk. But instead, what you can do is to pull on your walking shoes and at least walk in the area where you are. Or one of the other ways to do this um, is um, how often have you come home, you're really tired late in the evening, and the moment you sit down, it's done. Any motivation to do anything else for the rest of the day is gone. My mom used to actually keep some tennis shoes outside the um, so the garage. She had the garage, um, and then um, uh, from the garage, she would, she could come into the house, but she would have shoes on the outside, and she would just put her shoes on tennis shoes on immediately, 
before she sat down and she would just go for a quick walk at that time. That way it was there, it was routine, it was done, it would be done and she could come home and then she could actually sit down and not worry about having to use the Herculean effort to get up and to move again um, after, after she, she's done. Um, what if you travel a lot? You know, one of the things that we do is we waste a lot of time looking and searching for things that we need. So if you travel a lot, one of the things that is recommended is actually packing a travel suitcase um, and always having a suitcase that has everything that you need in it ahead of time. But this also includes, um, we used to encourage people who used to drive a lot to travel a lot, they would have um, certain things, whether it was paper plates, bowls, um, uh, what do you call, um, spoons, forks, anything that they could potentially need to be able to make food when they're traveling a lot, they kept it in the car all the time. Okay, And then there were certain things that were set aside. They always had um, nuts, beans, canned beans, whatever it was that they could take along and it was in a box ready to go that could take along wherever they go whenever they're planning a trip. And Because the last thing that you have time to do is to plan meals for a trip when you're ready to go, oftentimes. But having those things ahead of time um, is, is something that is actually beneficial so you don't have to think about it later. Okay. Um, The other thing, so a couple of other tips. What about things that you know you need to do but you keep forgetting to do them? Okay, Water, that's one of the big things. Um, water and keeping track of water and how often you do that. If you make a set pattern for drinking water, um, let's say you're, you are um, you're a clerk at a, at a hospital and you're trying to enter in orders every time that you finish an order, you take a swig of water. Then you order to put in the next set of um, you take the you, you put in the next set of orders. You take a drink of water. So you keep it as something that is a, is is habitual. You're a physician. You're seeing patients in between. You always have water available. When I'm going from one patient to the next, I have to take a drink of water. No matter what, even if the next patient, if I'm a little bit late to see the next patient, just one cup of water down and down really quickly before I see the patient. I had another um, uh, physician, I loved what he did, was that if he was going to a meeting, whether it was with a patient or with a business partner, he would always grab a thing of water for himself and for the other person. And he would just go in and he would hand one to them and he would take one and then he would, he would drink, the, uh, drink the water and I mean both of them would just kind of keep each other encouraged to, to drink the water. Um, the other thing is that if you repeatedly forget to do something, setting alarms. Actually, one of the only ways that I can remember to, um, to drink, especially when I'm doing office work, is I set an alarm that goes off every hour. Okay? You if you have a smartphone, I have a simple phone, so I just have to do, set like 10 alarms for different each hour of the day. But um, if you've got a smartphone, what you can do is set the timer and you reset it for every hour and it'll go off. And when that goes off, without you having to think and plan ahead and, oh, I forgot to drink water again, the alarm goes off and you drink your water. Okay? Um, so those are a couple of things. Um, things that you forget to do with walking, interruptions. If people, um, if there are interruptions, you'll find them even here. Like, say you've come here, you haven't walked. You didn't, you didn't get the walking in that you needed. Somebody comes up that you need to talk, to talk with. Um, the other night, a really good friend that I had here on campus, um, very close and dear friend to me, um, 
I saw her, and I, you know, I've not been able to get as much sleep because we had a, we had a, a stroke patient come in, or a person on campus who had a stroke who um, just wanted to be cared for at home, and we couldn't get everybody together to to be able to take care of her. I ended up having some late nights this last week, and so um, I'm taking care of her late nights, late nights, and I realized um, I wanted to get to bed, but if I was going to get some exercise in and I wanted to see my friend also, what we did was we talked and we walked together at the same time. So trying to make your dates and your times with people be as active and as beneficial to both of you as possible. One of the ways that people did this, we had a, a family member, um, uh, to a family, so mother, father, and daughter who came. She, um, she had type one and a half diabetes um, or, or a lot of latent onset, auto, latent autoimmune diabetes of the adult. Um, and her parents, I think they maybe struggled with high blood pressure and maybe some high, um, maybe some heart disease, I can't remember, but they all came together as a family. It was right before Thanksgiving. Um, they finished the program, they went home, they did a Thanksgiving meal with all of their friends and family, and instead of washing the dishes immediately, what they did is they got everybody up together, because usually everyone overstuffs themselves, and then they go and they sit and they watch a game or do something else. Instead, what they did was they, um, they ate together as family, and then everybody went out and took a walk together. It took about they said it took about 15, 20 minutes for them to get everybody out and out the door, but they persisted in in way you know getting everybody to go. They all went and took a walk, and it was interesting. They say that to this day it is still the best Thanksgiving they have ever had together, and one that many of them remember doing together. So, those are a couple of things. Um, what um, what happens if you like, for example, if you're if you're a diabetic or you're someone who has to has to um, you don't have very much time to eat your meal, um, and you need to walk after the meal. You have a lot of gastrointestinal type of problems. That's actually something that's very frequent and needing to walk after the meal. Um, improvise. The idea is to improvise in whatever situation circumstance you are. If you're going to chew your food, you need every minute of that 30 minutes to eat your lunch. Okay, so what? And some of my patients have done is I ask them, what do you do for a living? And we make them go and plan through their schedule, everything. They're going to sit and put a, put a, a schedule down of what they've got to do. And what time is their lunch? They need to do the walk after the meal. So what can they do? Well, if they do, if, if they are, for example, um, one, of the one of the patients recently, she works at a warehouse and she has to do periodic checks of some of the items that are on the store. She always does it after her meal break. So she eats and uses the full time for the meal break, but then she walks during that time. She's doing her job, but she's also walking at the same time. Okay? Improvise. Find ways to incorporate these things into your daily regular activities. Um, people um, used to um, use um, stretch, um, stretch bands at their workplace. You know, you can't afford one of those little bicycles that you can sit and work on. Um, but, they, but they can use stretch bands while they're at their workplace. While they're at a conference sitting like this, they'll just use the stretch bands and actually do exercise. I had a lady um, who, and I was just mentioning this to, to one of you guys earlier, that had a severe problem with weight loss. Very severe problem, but she couldn't get up and move around. And you know, she, um, I'm trying to think, she was close to 300. I don't think she was fully 300, close to 300 pounds a lot of abdominal obesity, um, a lot of obesity around, just right around the middle. Um, but she had, was in so much pain, she couldn't exercise, and there were a lot of other projects and little things that she would do the, around the house. You know what she did? All she did was she would sit on the, on the chair, um, and she would bring her knees together, 
this is all she did. That was her exercise. And she did, she said, if, if we're supposed to walk 10,000 steps a day, and I can't walk right now because of the pain, I will just sit and do this, but I will do 10,000 of them every day. The interesting thing is that I believe it was, it's three, I can't remember if it's two or three months, she's lost 35 pounds, and that is the exercise that she gets. But she does it while she's talking to people. It was so funny because I remember um, uh, the first time that I met her in the office, someone came up to me and said, I think your patient's really mad that, um, and really anxious and, and wants to go. I said, why? Well, she just keeps moving her legs over and over again. She looks like she's really nervous. Well, what she was doing is while she was waiting in the doctor's office, she couldn't leave and go outside and walk, but what she could do was to sit there and actually do the exercises while, um, while she was there. Improvise, use your time wisely, the time that you have, and don't feel like, um, don't get caught in the situation where you end up um, not being able to do what you need to do, okay? Here's another tip. This is very, very common. If anybody has ever done a weight loss program, have you ever heard about treating yourself at the end of the month? Right? This is a very, very common thing to do. At the end of the month, go out and splurge and do, do whatever else. You know, the funny thing is that it's actually quite counterproductive. There are very few people who can really do that and do it successfully. And when I mean by, by treating yourself, treating yourself in the sense of going back to some of the foods that you were trying to give up to begin with. Now, the treating yourself with healthy things is, is fine, but usually what they'll say is, oh, you can have a soda at the end of the month, or you can have a burger, or have a, you know, whatever else at the end of the month. Um, the way that I look at this, don't cheat yourself by treating yourself, okay? Let me tell you what happens in our, in our mind when we do this. What you have told yourself is this, I will endure for 29 days of the month eating this less than ideal tasting food, and then at the end of the month, I'll eat the real good stuff. And our mind registers the connection and the emotions and the feelings and the thoughts that we have in relationship to that food. That means that what you're eating is really not pleasurable to you in your mind, it's not something that you engage in, and that you're very likely to fall back into, into, as you're thinking, I'm depriving myself all through the week, you're less likely to stick with something versus, you know, I enjoy what I'm eating, what I'm doing, um, and the, it is the best. I'm giving myself the best of the foods. If you really want to treat yourself, one of the ways you can do this is to make simpler food through the week when you don't have time, um, and then make something a little bit more elaborate, but, um, but still healthy, to, that you can eat at the end of the week if you're going to use something in, like that. But don't, don't again, don't cheat yourself by quote unquote treating yourself with unhealthy things. Oh, I think the computer just died. That's okay. Um, the, um, what, uh, so a couple of other things. Um, uh, another um, tip that we found is this. Um, if, um, if you look miserable, making a lifestyle change, your friends are going to want to put you out of your misery. This is very, very common. Oh, you poor thing. There you are eating your rabbit food again, and you just look like you're deprived or whatever. Here, why don't you have this? This will make you feel a little bit better. And nine times out of 10, you will give, give in to that. Your attitude as you're doing this really does make a big difference. When people, when you're at somewhere else, you're visiting people, you're going out to eat, 
enjoy your meal. Sometimes people will want to talk about what you're eating over and over again and how miserable it must be for you and whatever. And usually what I'll do is uh, they'll say, well, why don't, you, why don't you have this? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to have you know, X, Y, and Z? You just tell them, oh, that's okay, I'm fine. And then I immediately turn the conversation to something else other than the food that I'm eating. Because otherwise they'll want to keep engaging and talking and keep trying to convince you that you're depriving yourself from whatever it is. But if you stop engaging that thought process from the very beginning, um, and you don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to tell them, stop talking about that. I don't want to hear it. So again, I mean, it just sounds like, like, you're, like something's not right. But just they'll mention, you know, oh, or say you've chosen not to eat an evening meal, but you're sitting with them. You want to enjoy some tea or whatnot um, with them. It's friends and family that have been there. They're going to be there for a while, whatever it may be. Um, and, and they'll say, oh, are you sure you're going to be okay? I mean, because they're like, no, I'm, I'm really good. Hey, what was going on with you? I remember that you said that you were going to do this that week. What, what ended up happening? You turn the conversation to something, and usually don't, if you turn the conversation to yourself, you're let, they're, they're more likely going to go back into talking about your food again. But if you turn the conversation, engage the conversation to something that they want to talk about, they will usually turn the conversation over and the, and the, the conversation about your food will be, will be over at that point. Okay? Um, the... Um, <clears throat> one of the other things that we encourage, what happens if you're really busy? Okay, so we've talked about some things to do when you're really busy. Um, you know, if you are an extremely busy person, crock pots and rice cookers are your friend, <laughs> okay? One thing that you can do, you know, almost any grain can actually be made in a rice cooker. Even things like quinoa, millet, brown rice, I've made all of them fairly successfully in a, in a rice cooker. And what I'll do is this. We'll make a big pot of the rice at the beginning of the week, and then we'll have the vegetables or we'll have um, the, you know, a big thing of curry or whatever, and we'll eat from it all through the week. The nice thing about a crock pot is that you can take it and you can hook it back up and and heat it again. They actually have smaller crock pots that are personal size crock pots that you can actually take to work with you and just keep it there heating so that the food is actually heated while you are, or heating up while you are um, at work and then you can just quickly eat it rather than having to go um, and microwave your food again um, afterwards if you don't have time to do that. Okay? So again, planning ahead and doing using things like crock pots, but if you make a big amount during the week and then vary up what you eat with it. Usually, like I said, with your whole grains, if you have some different things to choose from, you've got some rice to choose from, and if you get bored with the rice, then freeze it and put it in the refrigerator and then come back and, and use something else um, instead, okay? You wanna get up in the morning and you wanna eat a good breakfast. You don't have time to do that. Putting the oatmeal um, in a crock pot the day before, and here's the thing, with oatmeal, just a little word of advice, old-fashioned oats don't always do great in a crock pot overnight, okay? Steel-cut oats do, and they do taste actually really good in the morning. Um, the other doesn't. Quinoa does well overnight, millet does well overnight. Um, shorter cook times, you know, if you, if you do that, um, those are always nice to go. Another thing that is easy to do is to take um, Salad, at the beginning of the week, take salad, and oftentimes people will put the whole salad together 
and then they'll put the dressing or whatever on it and then it's wilted and it looks horrible by the end of the week. What we actually found instead was we got one of those trays. It's a big large tray that is divided into five or six sec session, sections and we actually cut different vegetables. We cut the lettuce, we cut the um, bell peppers, we cut the celery, the, you know, whatever it is. I wish I could say tomatoes and onions, but my husband doesn't like tomatoes and onions unless they're cooked and pureed completely. But um, the, we, we um, put all of those things into, the, into this, like well, I guess what people would call a, a relish plate kind of thing. So you've had this several different options. And what you do is you just take that to work and you make your salad from whatever you want. That way, one, you don't get bored with your salad, okay? One, one section of the tray is empty. You fill it up with a different vegetable. So it's almost like you have the same components, but you're varying up what you're eating and use, you know, putting in it um, from time to time, okay? But have it ready, already cut, so that you can, you can go to it. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. So you make, so I'm just going to repeat it for the sake of those that are um, listening on. You take your salads and you put them into a large pint, the pint, yeah, wide mouth pint jar. And you will put your salad and close it and you'll put it in the refrigerator and it lasts for about five days. Yes, yes, because they're already in small portion jars. So you don't open it until you need it and you're able to use it. That's a wonderful way. If you pre-put out the food, ahead of time, it's a lot easier. It really makes a difference. Yes, go ahead, yes. Okay, so you mentioned um, putting the salad dressing on the bottom sometimes, and that's true, because then it doesn't come in contact with the, um, with the vegetables so they don't wilt. Nice, and so you dump it out and the, and the dressing's on top. Excellent, great, great. No, that's a wonderful way to actually do it. That's, that, I, I might borrow that idea myself. That's a wonderful idea, because usually then I'm dragging, I've got the, I've got a little relish or whatever, and then I've got the salad dressing. Additionally, if I forget to take that, then, then there goes my salad for the, great, 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 wonderful, wonderful ideas. What else? So what I'd like to do is just, if in the last few minutes that we have, can you share some of your own ideas of things that you found successful, tips for to being successful in making some of the lifestyle changes, things, or things you saw, remember your parents doing even that, yeah, go ahead. Sure. Oh, nice, that was great. So just to repeat it for the sake of others, um, you, what you do is that you, um, your husband um, eats meat, you don't. And so in the refrigerator, there's a certain section of the refrigerator that's just for him. He's taller than you are. So you put those things at the top of the refrigerator so that you don't need to go to it at all. And then you've got your stuff at the, bottom of the refrigerator and and you're just able to use that yes no that's a great those are great great tips separating out that food so that for yourself so you don't have to engage with it makes a big difference you know it makes a big difference when you when you have to work to get to something you're less likely to do it. this is one of the things that's been found with with them um, those who smoke if they have to first go into um, you know, I mentioned to patients, look, if you've got another separate closet or compartment to put the cigarettes in, put it in, lock it up. Then put the key somewhere else in a room, one or two rooms away. So that when you want to smoke, you one, you won't go and buy cigarettes because you've got the pack of cigarettes over there. If you just won't get rid of them for whatever reason or if, um, or if people in your house smoke or whatever else, go, if, go at least make it hard for yourself to get it. And ideally, you would not have it around at all. But if other people smoke or whatnot, make it hard to get to where you actually have to go get the key, then go walk outside all the way to the box to go into open to use it. And it's funny, if they give themselves that time, usually the craving has passed at that time. It's a great thought. Yes, yes. I have a yes, please. Um, 
the, the yes, yes. So the heavier fat that we have in food, in food or the content of fat in food, it will um, slow down um, our um, the, well, it'll slow down the absorption of certain foods. So you can, you can use that to your advantage in some ways. But when you're talking about the transit time, um, it does slow down that transit time. So heavier meals, fattier meals, um, like for example, so your your um, your eggs and your cheese tend to have a higher fat content than your vegetables and fruits that it necessarily would. And so those things are going to sit for a longer period of time. You'll actually need a longer um, period of time. The question is, you know, how much time and for whom and so it, you just when you're looking at your meal, if it tends to have a higher fat content in it, you're going to want to give a little bit longer than the five to six hours for the you might you might need up to six and a half to seven hours for your for the food, especially if it's a really heavy like a pizza cheesy kind of meal, you know, with a lot of toppings and fried things and whatever, and you had chips and and the dessert and whatnot with it. It does increase the time that it takes for for transit. So. So, and in fact, interestingly, um, I, and again, I, you know, I, I shouldn't be so amazed, but I, but it, um, and I should just think, oh, of course, for sure. Um, Spirit of Prophecy actually talks about that certain foods are going to require even longer time, um, especially if they're heavier meals. And so that's one of the challenges with things that have animal products. They do tend to be, tend to take a little bit more time as far as transit time is concerned. Any other questions or, or comments or things that you found that work? I can't say enough for planning, really, truly. And that is the one thing, if you can at all, even, you know, I've had patients who've taken a day, they've taken, their, their life has gotten so out of control with habits that they've actually, once they get back home, they take an extra day or, or two of vacation at cost of pay to themselves, specifically to just to sit and to organize things um, for themselves when they get home so that they're ready to go for the week and they start that pattern of keeping things organized. Plan, really plan. Have a calendar. If you are a habitual person of taking on things that you shouldn't take on, that really God has not called you, as we talked about before, have a calendar and look at it. And again, like I said, give yourself at least 24 hours before making a decision to commit to anything. And don't be embarrassed don't be embarrassed to go back and to let someone know, you know, when I said I would do that, I really apologize. I, did, I didn't realize what I was doing when I had said that I'm going to have to say no. And the sooner you do it, the easier it will be. Yeah. And it's funny, yeah, I'm sorry, it's funny. The, someone actually mentioned that the, um, that the uh, like, I, and I've, I've actually had the experience myself, when I mention that to somebody, they'll actually tell me, you know, I was wondering how on earth you were actually even going to have the time to do, do that. And if you're honest with them, they'll recognize it and they'll know the consistency. And setting some boundaries, some boundaries are important too. So you'll let them know, if you need me to do something, I'm going to need advance notice to be able to do it. I can't just keep doing things last minute. And the interesting thing is that when, when you do that and you keep sticking to that, people will, are more likely to let you know ahead of time when they do something and they know they can't just call you last minute to do things. Sure, so at, at, um, so lunch, a, t a typical lunch that we would recommend, and again, this is more of a typical um, you know, American style thing. It may be different culturally, but the principle is this. Again, two servings of whole grains still, okay, that remains. 
but um, we, we, as lunch tends to be when people have more of their vegetables, we encourage them. Now, not everybody can take raw vegetables. Well, ideally, it would be wonderful if people could, but not everybody can, you know, because of long-term issues with digestion or whatever they may be, you may not. But we recommend at least two, so, um, two servings with vegetables. One cup raw is considered a serving of vegetables. So we can we recommend two servings of raw vegetables as a and here's the thing that's two servings of raw vegetables can be in any form. It can be a salad, but it can also be those raw vegetables wrapped up in a burrito. It can be those raw vegetables that are um, wrapped up. Sometimes um, it reminds me I do something very similar to um, Vietnamese who have something called pho, but they have a broth and then they'll put vegetables in there. That's one way to actually eat your raw vegetables is actually to have the broth and then to put the, um, put the vegetables in that broth. Um, I, I also use some fresh tofu. I don't actually saute, just fresh tofu in there and then something crunchy. Um, so some cracks, some healthy crackers or whatever I put in there also. That's one way to actually eat that raw vegetable. So, so be creative about how you eat your raw vegetables so that you don't hate it if you're not a big salad eater um, for whatever reason. But anyway, sorry, so two, two cups of raw vegetables, um, and that will give you um, another two servings of, uh, of the vegetables in the day. You want to have at least one more serving of a vegetable of some kind, okay? One more serving, um, you know, cooked vegetables, about half a cup um, raw, or sorry, half a cup cooked. You know, dark green leafy vegetables, we recommend them at least every day. They're the benefit for your, I, I should, what I should say is actually your cruciferous. Cruciferous includes your dark green leafy vegetables and your florets. So your, um, your broccoli, cauliflower, um, uh, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, you know, just find one of them. You don't have to like all of them, but, but at least having one cruciferous vegetable a day, they're very potent in, for the immune system. And the immune system includes infection, but also cancer too, if you're talking about preventing cancer. Um, so that's the so those those um those things we also mentioned and then um and then make sure you have legumes that's one thing that is actually consistently missing out of vegetarian diets how often people mention that they don't have legumes in their diet in some form or fashion not everybody can take beans if you can do beans ideally that would be the best thing but but nuts or peas um, sometimes lentils i mean finding some kind of legume that you can eat um, a half cup is considered serving you know, ideally, if you could eat up to three servings a day somewhere, however you put it, that would be great, especially for diabetics. We definitely recommend three servings a day. Those that are not diabetic, um, you know, maybe one to two servings a day at least of, of some kind of legumes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So be creative with your beans. Like I said, your beans don't have to be, or your beans or your legumes or your, your lentils, your peas, things like that, they don't have to be... Um, they don't have to be a pot of beans. Let me tell you, if you sit and eat a pot of beans every day for a long time, you're probably gonna get very bored with it very quickly. But you can make hummus, as you mentioned. So you can make bean dips of any kind. You can make soups, you can make burritos, you can make enchiladas, you can make um, pasta fagioli. That's um, an Italian dish in which beans are put into the pasta dish. Um, you can, um, I'm trying to think of, I mean, there's, there are tons of ways. Some people even put- You can put, put them in your salad. 
Yeah, yes, you can put beans in your salads. Yes, definitely. You can even people take um, chickpeas. Now, I don't know what happens to the to the garbanzo beans when they're put in the oven as far as the quality and nutrition, but but people season them and they put them in there in the oven actually as a as a way to be able to do that. It's very tasty, but like I said, I I don't know about the new what happens to the nutrition of it when you do that. But but that's another way to make something a little crunchy for your salad when you're doing that. Um, there are different ways. Be creative about what you're what you're doing. Yes. Yes, yes. So people who like a lot of dips and dressings that tend to be higher in fat, using things, as you mentioned, like hummus or avocado. And um, uh, here's an interesting thing that you find with avocado. Well, if you've ever had pasta sauces that have a lot of oil in them, they, they do taste very good. Interestingly, if you actually just take an avocado and you mash um, half of an avocado, a, a ripe avocado, into the salad dressing, it gives it a very rich flavor without actually the same, without as much of the concentration of the, um, of the fat that you get from the oil. But additionally, um, you get your monounsaturated fats and you get all the fiber and everything else that comes with the avocado additionally. So, is, is avocado, so avocado is a serving of vegetables or legumes? Uh, that's, I know, right? So here's the thing, your avocados actually do count as part of your fruits and vegetables, but it, is, it also counts as your part of your fats, your good fat at the meal. So at the meal, you also do want to have, um, one, you know, have a little bit of a good fat of some kind um, and a monounsaturated fat. So your monounsaturated fats are things like your avocados, your olives, your nuts, your seeds. Um, those are all... all and remember, these can be in whatever form. This doesn't mean that you have the salad, you have the cooked vegetable, you have the, you can make a stir fry, you can make a sandwich, you can make um, soup, you can make whatever, just, just these components and greens. And then dinner usually is very light in the sense that you're, you're talking about light fruit. If you're a diabetic, you do not, if you're diabetic, insulin resistant in any way, metabolic syndrome, PCOS, um, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, your body does not tolerate fruit as well later in the evening. So ideally you would, um, you would actually put, um, you would, in the evening you would use more vegetables or beans, but again, small quantity and not something that's really heavy in fat. Popcorn is fine for those who, um, who, are, um, who don't have diabetes, but understand that corn of any kind, even popcorn, can drive blood sugars up. And it seems so light and fluffy, but it'll actually drive blood sugars up significantly, especially if you eat in late, in, late in the evening. Okay. Even corn on the cob is not like I mean, for, for people who are starting, again, it depends on how much insulin resistance you have, but corn is one of those things that that's, that it's part of your, your, um, your um, it falls into the line, it, it's, it's one of those things eaten later in the day, you're, you, it may drive your blood sugars up. And it's one of those things that people don't recognize always as driving the blood sugar up, just because it looks so simple, right? And, um, but again, it's fine, no problem with that for anyone who doesn't have insulin resistance and doesn't have diabetes. This is specifically for those who have diabetes or have significant insulin resistance. Okay. Is there somewhere where I can find like everything that you said about <laughs> <laughs> oh, people keep asking me this, and I'm like, oh, um, you know, I'm I'm happy to actually. If you will leave me your email, I actually have. So what I, I finally got into the place where patients have asked me enough. I'm I just put together sheets for them. So I'm 
more than happy to be able to send that if you just leave me an email address and just have to let me know and I can I can do that. What I'll do is I, I will talk with Wildwood there and also about being able to so that when we come to conferences like this, people can um, if they come to the conference, they can I can send them a password to be able to link into some of the sites um, to, to be able to give get some of this information. So I'm happy to do that also. Okay. Why don't we end with a word of prayer then? Um, Oh, actually, Dr. Hess, do you have any tips that you've given patients that might be helpful to other people? Because I, I know I haven't covered all of them. So to re repeat what you were saying, you said specifically, if people can remember that the choices that they're making also have positive consequences. So to actually, when they come home and they have the choice of sitting on the couch and eating something that's unhealthy, that gives them pleasure, to actually overtly remember that there is something else that also brings them pleasure, such as walking, because they always, almost always feel very good after walking. So they recall that. So recalling the benefits of what you're doing. Actually, one of the things we even do for patients is we make them make a list of things that make them feel good that are healthy so that they can, when they are tempted to go do the bad thing, they actually have a list ready to go of these are five things I can do that will actually be able to, that'll, that will give me that kind of pleasure without, um, without the consequences. What else? Go ahead. The, yeah, so behavior patterns, people that are in some kind of community of, of um, accountability. Now, you don't need somebody to beat you over the head, but to have somebody that will actually be accountable for and hold you accountable and encourage you in your behaviors and keep for helping, you know, re doing that recounting of what you've done good that has been a blessing and where you may have fallen and they can help encourage you, pray for you or whatnot. That makes a huge difference when you have an accountability. That helps when you're setting goals. If you set goals, let somebody else know what your goals are. The only reason that I completed the LA Marathon when I was in my fourth year of medical school was because I told three people that I was going to do it and I didn't want to save face. Now, I did a very stupid thing and I ran on an injury for 26.2 miles and then I was out for running. It ended up being about six months of running, but, but it was enough of a drive because I had told so many people I was going to do it. And I, was, and I joined a, the Loma Linda Lopers as a training group to, to meet with and be accountable for doing the long runs on the weekend. So, so having an accountability group is something that is actually very, uh, very helpful. So if you have a big goal in mind, whatever the bigger goal is that you have in mind, rather than just having specific, um, in fact, there's a great um, CD if you ever wanted to look at it, Dr. Duro, David Duro's does a thing called the ABCs of um, behavior change. Essentially, you're looking at here's my goal that I want, that I have, and what is it that's going to take to actually get to that goal. And so you have the bigger goal, but also make sure you have small, daily, attainable goals that will help you eventually get to that goal. So the example you gave was, if I want to lose 100 pounds in a year or two years, I want to, or whatever, you know, and, and, and just to let you know, an ideal weight loss is half a pound to a pound a week. Okay, that doesn't sound like much, but you really don't want to be losing. That's what your body can keep up with that. Otherwise, you can have significant hair loss. You can have significant um, issues with skin and other metabolic changes if you try to lose too much weight too quickly. So, but, but, um, but if you wanted to lose, you know, that 100 pounds, the goal maybe one way to do that is to have only water between meals. So you focus on that goal first, knowing that as you as you conquer that goal, you'll eventually get closer and closer to your ideal goal of, of the weight loss. Yes. Five years. 
Yeah, so here's actually, so the reasons for why no watered meal, that's a great question. There are a couple of different reasons. One is we do know, and in fact, I, I don't know if any of you guys saw the research that came out a while ago. They were talking about how it was, it was the research was actually on cold water, and they were talking about cold water and what happens in digestion when you drink cold water, that your body has to stop and your, and your stomach will actually reheat that water first. But interestingly, in that study, what it showed was that you, your, your digestion actually stops to reabsorb that water before it completes the rest of your digestion. Okay, so you're interrupting your digestion with liquid. And understand, if people have a lot of GI issues, having a very liquid meal like that broth meal would not be something ideal for somebody who has especially a lot of GI issues. But, um, but having liquid with the meal, is, that's one thing. The other thing is that when you have liquid with your meal, that liquid will dis dissipate, even something like water, it will dissipate very quickly so that you are, um, you, once that has dissipated, you're, you fill up more on water or the liquid than you do on food and you're satiated for a less period of time. You're more likely to frequently eat um, sooner. So you'll get full really quickly but what you got full on will not keep you feeling full for a longer period of time. Um, so those are two things. And also people that have uh, um, significant issues with reflux, um, with bloating, with gas, if they're drinking during the meal, it's actually, they, that tends to worsen that also. So, um, so those are a couple of things. It's one of the best things to prevent eating between meals is not drinking during the meal. Not just drinking between the meals, but not drinking during the meal. So you fill up on what you're eating, not filling up on a bunch of liquid that's going to dissipate very quickly afterwards. And actually, if you are well, one pe people always tell me, well, and I'm so thirsty during the meal, I really have to drink something. Now, one, if you cut back on the sodium or the spiciness of the meal, that will help. But if you're still, you haven't gotten to that place yet, one of the things is if you come to the meal very well hydrated, you are less likely to need water during the meal itself. But if you come to the meal extremely dehydrated, you are going to have a tendency to very quickly want to have something to drink during the meal or very soon after the meal. Okay. All right, why don't we end with a word of prayer. And thank you guys for being here. Um, Father in heaven, I just want to thank you so much for the privilege of being able to be here together, for teaching us, for helping us to reach our goals. Lord, I know that um, you have brought us each, even myself here for a reason, reminding us that you want us to be in good health, Lord, that we can be effective ministers for you um, for health um, and just for help to lead people to the gospel. And I pray that um, if we are suffering in any part of our health right now, we ask for your healing and we ask that you teach us how to get to that place of healing. If we are not yet, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us establish those good habits and to remind us that, Father, it is only by your strength, as Paul said, that he is able to overcome. And I thank you again so much and, and look forward to hearing the testimonies, if not here on this earth, in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.